Today we're going to cover the gold outperformers, the good stuff for a change. Uh, Perseus have got their quarterly out, shows them producing cash, cash, cash. We've got Capricorn Metals, PFS out for Mount Gibson, and that Mount Gibson project is anticipated to pump out more gold than Carla Winder is. And you've also got Javois mineral resource increase for their Idaho Cobalt project, and this is, ladies and gentlemen, money of mine, 19th of April, Trap JD. We've had some recruiters. It seems like there's a recruitment agencies chasing us on YouTube. There was a fella on there asking for our work experience and CVs and stuff like that. So we're obviously drawing the attention of potential uh, employment opportunities or something. Yeah. I, think, I think someone wants, um, wants to know that we're credible. I think you can find all of our CVs on, on LinkedIn if you take a look, mate. LinkedIn, yeah. Matt and Michael. Uh, as 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 it sounds. So if you want to know any more info about our employment history, uh, yeah, just get in touch. Yeah, you can give the page a follow while he's at it. Yeah, just <laughs> just I did I did do that on Hot Copper. Someone said uh, I'm sure they're because uh, we've just started Instagram. Everyone, I'm sure their uh, Instagram 78 followers really appreciated this Patriot thing. I said, Hey Copper, while you're over there, you didn't happen to clip follow, well, please, mate. So. <laughs> No reply as yet. Right, let's get on to it. Perseus, P-R-U. So, good news story. Pumping out cash, great quarterly. Let's get into it. Perseus, Trav, what's the go there, mate? Buddy, it's about time we had a good news story in the ASX gold space. I feel like a lot of my uh, my segments on ASX gold companies have been very negative, Nancy, and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be able to talk about one that isn't. Um, and, and it's good to fly, fly the flag that you're not a very negative person, Trav. There is some positivity in you, so there, this is there good. Is, there is, yeah. You got to look deep for it sometimes, but uh, there is there is a bit of um, <laughs> bit of hope for us all, Maddie. And Perseus is a worthy five hundred thousand ounce plus gold producer that um you know I'll I'll give credit to. In this March quarter, they've come out and they've produced one hundred thirty thousand ounces of ounces of gold, um, at an all in sustaining cost of US nine hundred and seventy one bucks per ounce with a cash margin of US 850 bucks an ounce or an operating cash flow of US 111 million bucks in the quarter. They've, they've, they've reiterated that they're on track to achieve their cost and production guidance. Um, and, and keep in mind this company, they've got their three operating mines, Yayore and Sisingwe in Cote d'Ivoire and then Edikan in Ghana. I'm, I'm proud you pronounced them. I looked at them. I would have had no hope. So well done there, Trav. Thanks, mate. I think I've listened to uh, to Jeff Quartermain say the names before, so they've stuck in my head. <laughs> um, however, so their, their key development project that this company has is the uh, Myas Sand Gold Project, and that was previously called Block 14, located in the north of Sudan and, you know, Perseus, they're gearing up for a final investment decision on that project in the second half of this calendar year. So they've got US 471 million bucks of cash at the end of the quarter. They've got no debt, but they do have um, an upsized revolving credit facility for US 300 million bucks. So the, the current cash balance, you know, in Aussie dollar terms is, is about $700 million. Um, combine that with that, you know, US 300 million of, of, of available credit to draw upon 
nimbly so that if they so should choose to, that's a lot of liquidity to, to, to act. So um, well a bit over a billion available funds at their disposal. Yeah, totally. And keep in mind their debt capacity is probably more than that um, revolvable credit facility. They, you know, if, if, if the right opportunity came along as well, given the fact that they're just pumping out cash at the moment. And so, you know, but, but the fact that they upsize that re- revolving credit facility, in my mind, to me is a bit indicative that this company is hungry from an M&A perspective. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, the way that Perseus have created value historically is by acquiring development projects and then building low-cost mines. Um, and, you know, it'll be like, like let's look through, you know, the last sort of five years. They acquired Amara, which is now their Yayore gold mine in 2016. They acquired Exore in 2021, Orca Gold in 2022. And that Orca Gold is is their current key development project, the Myas Sand Gold Project. When, when you look at the, the CapEx number that's in the market for that project, um, the numbers that were put out in the 2020 DFS were about US. 300 million bucks so when you look at their current cash and their available facilities um they're not going to need all of that in order to build their key development projects so i think they're probably hungrier for even more development projects um and and when i look at the asx names out there you know because this this company creates value by acquiring undeveloped projects i'm not thinking WAF. i'm thinking more like a, a predictive um, and, and their Bankan projects in in Mali, or or, or an Orcorp, and, and theirs is in Tanzania, which is a different risk profile in and of itself. But but you know, and there's a whole bunch of other TSX and other names out there with with undeveloped African gold projects. But I'm watching them from an M and A perspective. So, be, you've listened to a lot of Jeff's stuff. Uh, <laughs> I what's, think what's said- his what's his? I guess what's their strategy? In they are limiting themselves to Africa only long term. I can't, I can't speak for what Jeff's strategy long term here is, but you know the thing that differentiates Perseus is they back themselves to be able to build good relationships with government and stakeholders in hard to navigate countries, and that strategy has worked well for them, where they've created outsized shareholder value because they've actually been able to execute on that where other people have have stumbled. Yeah, I think that'll be really interesting to see how they navigate. Sudan, that's a country I'm quite unfamiliar with in terms of uh, as a mining jurisdiction. Well, they're, they're, quick, they're quick to point out that it's only 75 kilometres south of the uh, Egypt border. <laughs> yeah, so Egypt is a country with a few good operating gold mines. So it'd be interesting that the company obviously has a great track record of managing jurisdiction risk and they've done a phenomenal job. So, Trav, you said WAF doesn't draw... Your attention to possible M and A with them? Why is that? What's, what's, your, what's your indicator there? Look, it could do. I mean, every time that Perseus has acted from an M and A perspective, they've acquired a single undeveloped project and then they built that project into a mine. Um, and that's that's what's created so much value. Well, yes, there is an attractive undeveloped project there, so it may, maybe it does make sense. But they've already you know built an established mine. Um, and, and so they're kind of they're not able to kind of deliver on their the strategy that's worked for them so well historically in the same way that they they have historically. I think it's a different equation. But you know, given the fact that there is this great looking undeveloped project there now, maybe maybe it does make sense. Right now, on to another the other outperformer in the gold space mid mid cap gold space, you'd say Capricorn Metals. 
Now, CMN, they're getting a lot of coverage with us. Yeah, lucky buggers. Now, Mount Gibson, they've come out with their PFS for that. So that was their, what they uh, Mark Clark titled the deal of the lifetime when he got that Mount Gibson project. Coming out with their PFS, 150,000 ounce per annum production coming out of that. Carla Winders at 120. So this is going to be their biggest producing asset. Looks like another cash cow on the way. JD, give us the uh, scope of the PFS, mate. Yeah, we'll just run through the highlights to start. So 48.7 million tonnes at 0.9 grams per tonne for 1.45 million ounces at a strip ratio of 4.2. So that's a quite quite a low-grade mine, but this company obviously has a, a great track record at managing low-grade operations. So like you said, 152,000 ounces per annum for the first seven and a half years at an all-in sustaining cost of 1420 Aussie dollars, so a slightly higher all-in sustaining cost than their current operation at Carlowinda, and a planned throughput of 5 million tonnes per annum. I think most of the expectations were for 4 million tonnes per annum, so they've gone slightly higher. And that sort of reflects the slightly higher than expected development cost of $260 million for the plant plus $79 million pre-production. Macquarie has already come out with... Um, uh, and offer a non-binding $200 million extension. So uh, people close to the company will know they've got a $50 million facility at the moment, which had a bullet payment due at the end of financial year uh, 25 from memory. So I think this will really show that if you, you look at the balance sheet and see the expected cash that they'll have by the time they anticipate construction will start, just sort of mid to late 2024, that they won't need to come to the market and raise any more equity, which is a great sign for, for current shareholders. And just to, just to wrap up the study, they're planning to produce first gold by the second half of calendar year 2025 after about one year of construction. So, again, that's slightly later than we sort of anticipated and I'd probably say that's a result of permitting. But, yeah, just to summarise that, as you sort of highlighted, at $40 million bucks, it looks like quite the deal. It's a, today's a great day, mate, that both Capricorn and Perseus have come out and they've got some some news so we can actually talk about both of them side by side. And, mate, this morning I, uh, I finally got back on the tools. I uh, brought out the Excel spreadsheet workbook and, and I, I plotted up the ASX gold producer landscape and I was just curious to see, you know, if you look back over the last three years, what is the total shareholder return of the ASX gold producers out there? And total shareholder return, the simple way to think about it is the return you would have gotten as a shareholder if you bought the shares three years ago and then every time they issued dividends, you just reinvested and bought more shares. So it's the better way of comparing companies instead of looking at the share price performance because you factored in dividends compounding over time too. Um, and and when, when, when you chart this up, when you look at it, you know, no surprises, Capricorn and Perseus right up there at the top. And, and you can look at this on a, on a five-year return basis as well, and it's the same story, Capricorn and Perseus right up there at the top. You know, and what, what have these companies done really well? They've created shareholder value by acquiring development projects and building low-cost mines. Mount Gibson is the next iteration of that value-creating strategy for Capricorn. I think that's a, a great opportunity to spruik our new logo as well. We spoke about last week the Lasson Curve. And it really just highlights that, that chart that we'll flick up on the YouTube of companies executing 
that transition from developer into producer really well. So it shows what the rewards can be for companies and management teams that can execute that plan. Better vibe today, lads. Better, nice, positive. There is some hope in the mining industry. Fantastic. Now, let's get on to Javois. Uh, Cobalt Cobalt in Idaho. Cobalt, going to be very popular for the battery battery metals revolution for NCM batteries. JD, this is uh this has challenged your research, hasn't it? This is uh there's shit going everywhere with uh Javois. So exactly take it's us into your by, web of knowledge. By no means as straightforward a story as CMM. And I'm sure we could actually get Trav to argue your point on how big a role Cobalt is gonna play going forward. We saw just uh last week, I think Apple came out saying mm. by 2025 they only want to use recycled cobalt. So it'll be interesting how that plays out, but that's a little side note to what the company's come out with today. Didn't know that. So Jevois came out today with a, a new mineral resource estimate for their Idaho cobalt operation, like you mentioned. They've done 10,000 metres of drilling. It extends the mine life there. But um, I think the, the main story with this one is why has the company's share price dropped from about a buck roughly a year or so ago to I think it's trading at about 10 cents now. 10 so cents today, yep. I'd say that's a combination of the falling cobalt price as well as construction cost inflation and that has flow-on effects uh, on a range of different issues for the company. So they've got debt repayments, they've got other bills to pay, obviously contractors constructing the mine there, falling revenue from the ref- uh, their refinery facility in Finland as well as a healthy whack of equity dilution. They raised 200 million bucks about half a year ago now. So I'll quickly touch on their Idaho cobalt operation, some on-market transactions we've seen that sort of caught my eye, as well as the S&P refinery that they acquired a few years ago in Brazil. So like we sort of said, the construction is now on halt at the Idaho cobalt operation. That was announced earlier this year. That's on the back of low cobalt prices and construction cost inflation. They look like they're going to receive 15 million US dollars from the Department of Defense in America. So that's that's a bit of a free kick and that'll help them keep that mine on care and maintenance. I think they're going to keep about 30 people there just to keep that ticking over. So the way I sort of look at that asset at the moment, it's a bit of an option on cobalt prices. So in future, if we do see cobalt prices tick up, I think the company sort of flagged or perhaps analysts have flagged at a price of over $20 a pound then they could flick that back on with a bit more uh, capital expenditure and start to get a bit of cash flow from it. Getting on to the on-market transactions. So I think we'd flagged last week that there'd been some interesting, uh, an interesting amount of volume traded in the stock. I think it was over 40 or 50% of shares on issue had traded in the space of a week or two. So it turns out that Mercuria, the fifth or fourth largest commodity trader in the world, who made their name mainly in the oil space, but like a lot of those commodity traders are transitioning to base metals and battery metals, they've increased their stake to 8.8%. So it's a kind of interesting sort of thought exercise to think what what are Mercury uh, sort of going at? They don't have the same track record as Glencore in operating base metal mines. So I don't think that that would be something in their interest. They are in the business of operating refineries and so on. They might not like Glencore have such a uh, a long track record in this, but it's some it's a space we can sort of see them going into in the future. And just to wrap on 
the transactions we've seen, Perpetual, the fund manager, has been a seller of stock, but we have seen three directors buying post the announcement of putting the Idaho operation on hold. So always good to see directors come in and pick up some stock. Lastly, we'll get on to the SMP refinery. So that's the Sao Miguel Paulista refinery in Brazil. So they bought this a couple of years ago for 22 and a half million US dollars. And the final tranche of that, about 7 million US bucks is due at the end of this quarter. They also paid down 45 million US in a debt facility that Mercuria supplied them with. So that leaves cash of about 52 million. They've also issued bonds a few years back, which are due in 2026 of US $100 million. And the company said they're still in compliance with all the covenants here, but I don't think that's something they'll want to test. And they're also paying 12.5% on those bonds biannually. So that's that's a fair bit of cash that they're having to pay out for that each, each six months. The company has flagged that this will cost $65 million US dollars. Now, given I just said their cash position was $52 million, I think it would be a fair assumption that when the quarterly report comes out and the, they have the chat with investors next week, that this might be put on hold for a little while until they can either secure more funding or perhaps quite a wait quite a while to see what happens with the Idaho operations. So, yeah, just to recap on all of that, by no means a, a simple business, quite complicated to get your head around what they've got in Brazil, in America. We haven't even really touched on the operations in Finland there. But yeah, the company's not in a great spot at the minute and it'll be interesting to see what the management comes and says to shareholders in a week's time at the quarterly. So these cobalt demand, trap, you've got you've got some info that the common punter like myself is not aware of because uh, you automatically think, oh, NMC batteries, cobalt, going to need shitloads of it for batteries, but it may is not the case. What's my, the my expertise to the extent I have any is is looking at companies, not commodities. But um, well, I, when I think about like cobalt from a supply demand perspective, well, like you know, on 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 the demand side, I can't, it can't, I can't possibly un- like every single EV engineering manufacturer in the world is is trying to figure out how they can engineer out of, out cobalt out of the lithium ion batteries that need to go into these things because. It, it, it is, uh, you know, a, a crazy proposition that they would be so reliant on a commodity that comes pretty much exclusively from the DRC. So, you know, on the, on the demand side, I think there's just a big risk that, you know, the, the fundamental driver of demand growth for this um, gets engineered out. Um, and then on the, on the supply side, if you, if you buy the, the copper bull thesis that all of these new copper mines have to come online in order to satisfy the demand for EVs, has anyone done the math on on what the byproduct cobalt production will actually be from all those new copper mines? Given the fact that a lot of these undeveloped copper projects are copper cobalt with a you know there's cobalt with a byproduct there. So so I'm just I, I think the fundamentals aren't as compelling as they they would be for other battery metals. But that's that's just my take. So you said most of it comes out of DRC. So that's the Kamoa Kakula project. That's Ivanhoe and Zijin mine. Gee, Zijin are in everything. AVZ, Porgra, God, they're involved in everything. Uh, so that's one of the big ones. Who are the other players in the cobalt scene? Glencore have a big presence in the Congo as well. And like Trav hit the note really well there, this is a, a byproduct. So if you look at all the, the copper miners throughout the um, the copper belt in Africa, they, they produce a lot of this stuff. Um, 
it often comes in nickel mines as well. So if you look in Indonesia and see who the, the nickel laterite producers are, they'll be producing a fair bit of cobalt as well. So I'm sure China, um, molybdenum, CMOC uh, produce a lot of cobalt as well. So, yeah, it just doesn't respond the same way that dem- demand supply reaction with cobalt is not as simple as Economics 101 would sort of tell you. Yeah. And just one, just one more point to add on to voir. I do have a bit of a gripe to pick in the way that, you know, this company reports. There we go. Their- yeah, we had to have one today. We can't walk away leaving the listeners feeling good. Uh, my gripe is in relation to the way that they report their EBITDA and there's they always report this, you know, beautiful-looking EBITDA margin even though they lose cash and they do that because the EBITDA margin they report is this adjusted EBITDA margin and what are they adjusting for? It's, a, it's an inventory build-up adjustment and, it like, to me, that stuff is just – a bit strange because when when you have um, a commodity like cobalt and there's an inventory build-up, the reason you're building up inventory is because the prices are lower and you don't want to um, sell them at that lower price because you kind of make prices go even lower by doing that. And so it, you, you do your mark-to-market on that inventory at a price that you realistically couldn't get for that inventory. Um, so I just, I, I just don't, I don't think it's fair for commodities like, you know, um, for, for like cobalt and mineral sands to be adjusting your EBITDA margin for these inventory build-ups. There you go. Note to producers out there, take some advice from Trav. It'll improve your day. <laughs> Good on you, lads. Jeez, we've got to have this one out early. The recap. There's bloody – God, I've got shitloads written here today. So we're, we're putting all our effort into the recap. So tech trading above Glencore bid. So there's rumours – the JD's informed me of of Anglo and Vale getting involved, correct, JD? Yeah, that's right. So the the share price of tech had been trading well below what Glencore had bid, and ticked up I think ten or eleven percent overnight. So we'll sort of see shareholders go to a vote next week on the initial plan that ten, that tech pitched to their shareholders to split out the the various fossil fuel assets from the metals co. So we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. Uh, it will be covered here, no doubt. Calidus, CAI, uh, they're in a trading halt. Sort of predicted by the money of mine team. Uh, head over to YouTube and check out the Calidus video we did last week. So in a trading halt for further raising. Latin Resources, LRS, they're raising $37 bucks for further resource growth and fast track of development approvals for their Salinas Lithium Project in Brazil. Tieto Minerals, TIE have a resource increase of 10% to 3.8 million ounces. London Metals, LM8, they had some high-grade nickel hits at depth at their Baker projects south of Canberra. 13.8% nickel, but it's only 38 centimetres wide, and you can't mine a 38 centimetre wide stope. So Galena Mining, G1A, remain in suspension pending an operational update for their Abramine and also a capital raise. Twiggy looks like he'll have control of Mincor today, greater than uh, 50% shareholding by Wailu Metals. Tempest Minerals, T-E-M, they're throwing their hat in the rare earth ring. So they're identified a two-kilometre anomaly at their Malaya project near Golden Grove. So Tempest, you'll remember, rapidly went from $0.02 cents to $0.20 cents and then back down to $0.02 cents is where they sit at the moment. Uh, Rum, finally, Rumble Resources, RTR, have come out with a maiden resource at Irahidi. It's uh, zinc, lead, silver. Up 13% today for Rumble. 
Boys, cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. JD, last one today. What is it? Wednesday. Oh, halfway. God, this is our first five-day week, so looking forward to it. Righto, cheers, Money Miners. Head over to YouTube, give a good subscribe. Uh, Make sure you, if you're a hot copper hater, we love your feedback. It actually makes me get up in the morning. I love it. Mate, Twitter and Instagram, they're they're rising, fast-rising followers there. I know, I know. At Money of Mine Pod on both. Yeah, oh, there's a, now one thing I will mention about hot cop. The, we're getting lots of positive feedback from people that are in you know executive management leadership positions. We're got, getting a lot of negative feedback from punters on hot copper. So if we're going to look at where the feedback's coming from, I think we're going all right in that term. So if you're going to analyse it that way, correct. <laughs> Time will tell all on our takes, Matty. We'll be judged by the market, not the not the punter. Yeah, no, maybe we need to go public. Float. That'll be a good one. Right up, who The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation, and needs.